Upstream with Jim and John, father and son conversations about discipleship and culture in the Pacific Northwest. I'm John. And I'm Jim. And today we are going to jump into the middle of this conflict in our country and um, all that's going on with the race, pain, strife. Um, It includes racism. It includes Black Lives Matter. It includes um, the... um, trustworthiness of the police department mm-hmm. it it just is all over the place and we are going to take six bullet point topics and we're going to hit them hard and they're going to be a little bit different than the typical conversation on this i think i mean hopefully yeah so i encourage you to to buckle in i know i am sick to death of these conversations already <laughs> uh, but we feel like we have to have it and we're going to have it in a way that's not uh i would say traditional so i think uh this will be well worth your time Awesome. Okay, so first, it's story time, John, and this is your week. It is my week for story time. Uh, this time, it's not really, I don't know, it's t- It's like in such a, a somber episode. It's not a It's not a somber story. I don't have a ton of somber stories. That's good. We don't need a somber story. Yeah. Uh, so this is about how uh, I got into jazz music. Oh. And uh, one hijinks when I was into jazz music. And One uh, hijinks. What does that mean? One, yeah. Uh, an instance, a, a, a tomfoolery episode. Wow, that's yeah. a hijinks. That's a hijink, I guess. Singular. How do you how do you spell that? H i j i n k. I've never heard that word. You've heard of hijinks? I have not. I've heard that three times today. I'm sure you, you lying know. rug. <laughs> Probably not. I can't believe you I hear it all the time. Lie like that. I hear it all the time. Hijinks. Hijinks. Hijinks ensued. You hear about that? No, hijinks ensued. Yeah, uh, the frivolity. The boys went down to the bar last night. Hijinks ensued. Never heard it. It's very common. I want people to, to let us know. Uh, hey, put a comment. Send us an email. If you are like me, you've never heard that word. We're going to get flooded with emails. Yeah, saying, Be the that, most saying e- that you've been living under a rock. No, saying that years. I've never heard that word either. <laughs> it's been a while since you taught me a new word, but today is the day. Okay, yeah. so uh, so back. So I still don't understand what you mean by using the word, well, we'll even get in this there. context. We'll get there. Don't worry about it. But you said it's a hijinks moment. Yeah, one moment. And then, but but really, it's the, how we got into jazz music, the history of my my music taste. Well, then why'd you use the word? You just showing off? No, we're gonna get there, man. Patience. Oh, okay. <laughs> it's a virtue. All right, I'm waiting. Okay. Oh my word. <laughs> <laughs> Story time's canceled. No, I really want to hear it. I do. I'm just having fun with you. <laughs> okay, so I was into in middle school. I was all mopey. And I was into hard rock music mm. slash metal music. Not scream. I've never really been into scream. No, you're not ska. What no. was ska? Do you remember ska? Ska is not metal. Ska is uh, adjacent to reggae. Really? Yeah. It's like a, it's like a um, a more abstract reggae. As far as I understand, I've never listened to it. So you never had jinx to it. You're ridiculous. <laughs> That's not even close to what that means. <laughs> okay, I'm trying to figure it out. Well, you'll at the end. Hopefully, you'll understand. Okay. So, so you're in this. Well, now it's overblown. It's not even that crazy. Of you're a story in this melancholy middle school period, period. Yeah, as I assume most people are. I'll get. I'll cut myself some slack, some slack. Yeah. Even though I can't stay in a lot of music, I listen to then. Um. Anyway, then get into high school, and I start listening to soul music, hmm. and uh, and it's I still love soul music. I'm never not gonna love soul. Music. Give me an example of soul music. Otis Redding. Oh, okay. Um, yeah. Bill Withers is like soul mm-hmm. slash R and B. 
Um, big fan. What's his name? Uh, maybe the the most popular. He did the Bring It On Home to Me. I forget his name. Uh, Sam Cooke, I think. Uh, anyway. And what about uh, uh, the guy, uh, Sexual Healing, that guy? Marvin Gaye? Would that yeah, be soul? Yeah, that's soul music. Okay. And, uh, and Al Green. But that, that's yeah, more R&B, Al Green. I guess. Okay. There's, there's a blurred line. Okay. Uh, anyway, so still love soul music. And, uh, uh, and then I find this radio station that's classical music. And it's all kind of leading... Because rock was basically all I enjoyed for a while. And then... Uh, then the soul music made it was like, oh, some, into some groovy stuff. Mm-hmm. And before that, actually, there was some funk music, which my mom loves. Oh, yeah. That's her that's her jam. Yeah. So then it was classical. And classical was was like, I overcorrected. I was like, <laughs> and I could only hang out there for a few, for maybe like a few months. Okay. The station was really good. I forget the, I forget what it was. Um, and there was uh, there's still a lot of classical music I like, but never, I don't really listen to it for fun anymore. And then I find, at the time, uh, K... PLU, KPLU. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. I remember that. Yeah, uh, eighty-eight five mm-hmm. out of PLU, the the school, but Pacific it's, Lutheran. Yeah, it's a uh, NPR news branch, and then they do jazz, and they have their own local news and jazz. And they programs. did blues on Sunday nights, as yeah. I recall. Mm-hmm. Uh, Sunday night was it was that's right. It was called Blues Sunday Side Up, is what it was. There you go. Or jazz Sunday Side Up, and then there was blues on blues every Saturday and, and Sunday night. Anyway, love it. And then they are now KNKX because they bought their independence from PLU, who was mm. trying to sell them to a different school. Anyway, amazing. Their local news programs are great. The jazz is great. Mm-hmm. And that like that was the, the start of a, a new love. I started listening to them sometime probably like my sophomore or junior year. And, uh, and I still like rock music, and I'm, I still like a whole lot of other music. But jazz is the is one of my, one of my favorites. And uh, anyway, so a few years later. This is the this is oh, okay. the hijink. Okay, so now you're in high school. No, that's uh, high school is when I was when I got. Oh, when you were doing now, that. Okay, now it's uh, uh, my sophomore year because of it was college when I, of college yeah. when I met Lindsay, and uh, and a lot of local jazz clubs and jazz scenes are all in bars, and you can't go unless you know you yeah. can't go in. You can't buy a ticket unless you're 21, and I was 20 at the time. And uh, and I wanted to take Lindsay, my new girlfriend, to a to a jazz show. Yeah, show her what all the fuss is about. Yeah, and she uh, had not been a jazz person up to this point. No, I don't believe so. so and I, she enjoys it when I listen to it, but she's not. You know, she's not wearing. She wouldn't a, choose it. Not wearing a t shirt with a band on it. You know, whatever. <laughs> jazz uh, people don't do that. <laughs> <laughs> she's not buying merch. Is all I'm saying. It's oh, like, okay. You know, you know. Um. So anyway, I, I started thinking because K and KX would have all these, you know, it's a it's a Puget Sound mainly um, yeah. station. So they'd say, in Olympia, this is going on, and yeah. and you know, and, and all these shows for the weekend and stuff like that. So there was one in Bellevue, and uh, and I and I'm not 21. Lindsay wasn't even 21 at this point. I don't think she actually she might have been because her birthday's in February. So if the timeline checks out, then she might have been. I think she was. Uh, so anyway, we have another friend who is dating a guy who I've been mistaken for multiple times. His name is also John without an H. He really? is also 6'3", blonde, with glasses and a beard. Really? And his middle name is also Andrew. No way. Yeah, his name is... Well, I won't say his full name. I guess no reason to. Anyway, we look very much alike. And uh, and, I was, and this other chick who's a friend of Lindsay's is dating him. Yeah. And I was thinking, <laughs> what if I could get his ID and we could get into this jazz club? And it was the only semi-legal... Ideation, I've but never, he was going to be with you. No, I was going to just take Lindsay there, but I needed an ID to oh, get in. Oh, I see. Because I was only twenty. I see. 
So, so have, you did it? You scammed no, his ID? No, I didn't. That's why it's only half a hijink, is mm. I didn't even go through with it. The only the, the fact that for me, it's a hijink to even imagine it. You know? <laughs> I once thought about <laughs> breaking the law. <laughs> exactly. But I thought about, you know, maybe they wouldn't card me because I had a beard at that right. point. And so what uh, happened? Did you go? No, didn't go. So you didn't even buy the ticket because you didn't have the fake ID. You couldn't pull that off. So you yeah. just said, forget it. Yeah. Wow, that's a bummer. I well, and I talked to Lindsay about. It. I was like, "Hey, do you think yeah. that they well, would that be makes open her nervous?" To, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, and we've since gone to some. Uh, we went to. Uh, we've been to a lot of concerts, but not not yet a jazz show. We went to see Taj Mahal. Mm-hmm. He's one of my favorite blues guys. Yeah, and he's oh, he's in his eighties now, but he was really good. He was very very good. Now, um, you didn't include. I thought you were going towards your grandfather with this conversation. Oh yeah, because he had a significant musical influence over you. Well, he did in hindsight. Post, we kind of post mortem because yeah. he left you his car. We mm-hmm. bought his car, actually. Mm-hmm. Um, we bought his car from um, the estate or whatever, and then um, he had a bunch of music there, but in he, the car. But he didn't have jazz. Oh, he had renounced. I've learned this later when he became a Christian. He renounced jazz music, or he had some get awakening. out of town. Yeah, he, so he was a saxophonist, and he would play in jazz bands, and then he had this deal kind of bowling alley thing where he said where he figured he shouldn't play jazz music anymore that it was wow. unbecoming and so uh for those of you who aren't familiar with the bowling alley thing mm-hmm. i've told the story before of a guy <laughs> who's in a bowling alley and says the lord told him don't get out of here and don't ever go back into a bowling alley the rest of your life and that doesn't mean christians shouldn't go bowling but for this guy for some reason it was his prompt yeah it was his deal and i don't know if he harbored any kind of like was that strict against even listening to it but I know that it wasn't a, uh, from then on, it wasn't a, uh, so a passion K- of So he didn't listen to KPLU or whatever? No, not not as far as I know. He left it in the car, and it was still, uh, I loved it, was a, I think his name is Steve Green. Yeah. He's a, yeah, yeah he's a, yeah. a, a singer, a Christian singer. Very classic era Christian singer. Yeah, yeah. very much. A uh, tenor, as I said. What as I would I call grandparent music. Yeah. No offense to anybody. <laughs> <laughs> to anyone. To anyone, yeah, and uh, some of uh, an African um, acapella group. Oh, that that's right, loved. yeah, that he had gotten from South Africa. He yeah. used to live there. Yeah, when he was a missionary, and that's what he left in the car, and uh, uh, so the jazz was, I learned uh, uh, posthumously that he liked jazz as a youth, but but uh, in real time, it didn't really play a part. That's funny. Yeah. Okay, so let's dive into this because that actually is going to segue nicely into one part of our conversation. Oh, yeah? Yeah, you don't even know why. Um, so, uh, you know, the world's spinning fast and the American culture is drinking from a fire hose and there's hostility and conflict everywhere. And um, it's totally unpleasant. Everybody's being stressed and angry and you're scared to death to say anything in public. And so we just want to say a couple of things right here. First of all, we have a little bit of... Uh, fear and trembling doing this episode because it's a cancel culture and if somebody thinks we made one sentence wrong uh, they could cancel us in their head it's a good thing we're not popular or else this would be a real risk yeah Um, so uh, we want to just say we um, we believe that there is one race and all humans are in it and we are for everyone we uh do not appreciate racism. We try really hard not to practice racism, even accidentally. But we're going to be two white guys who don't know what we don't know. 
mm-hmm. we're going to have the conversation that we want to have right now because it's what's going on in our world. And you can appreciate it. You can say you guys are about as sharp as the leading edge of a beach ball. Mm-hmm. Or you can – but what you can't say is we have eight in our heart because we don't. So we're going to just let this fly. And hopefully you will extend grace toward us if we say something stupid. And the opinions expressed in this program – are ours yeah and we will take responsibility for them so uh let's dive in first of all john uh, and we're gonna have six little bullet points i mean we're gonna go through these kind of bam 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 maybe five minutes on each one mm-hmm. so the first one is um we we talked about the idea you and i before we started recording we were talking about the idea of compelled speech and yeah that not only does the constitution protect you give you the freedom to speak it also protects you from the being compelled to speak, mm-hmm. that you do have the right not to speak. And um, as you and I were talking about the social cultural around us right now, you expressed uh, frustration and fatigue with the pressure you feel to speak, whether you want to or not. And if you don't speak, you're going to be criticized for not speaking. And if you do speak, you're going to be criticized for what you say. And you you feel compelled I'm going to speak for myself now sure. to make statements that might not be the way you would exactly say that. And you're being pushed to align yourself. The reason I say your story was a segue is you mentioned KPLU. That is an NPR radio station mm-hmm. and NPR is code for liberal. Um, <laughs> if you talk to conservatives, say, that's news to me. If, if they hear that you listen to NPR, that just told them that you voted Democrat. Um, and so it's like Fox and CNN. NPR is on the liberal side of that spectrum. I don't believe that this is accurate. I think people miss a lot of quality radio by uh, eliminating it from their option because they view it as liberal. Um, but the point is, you categorized yourself by just saying, I listen to this radio station. You didn't even know it. But that's where our culture is at. Sure. You get categorized lightning fast. So talk to me a little bit about this and what we're doing is discipleship and culture. So how do I integrate my my allegiance to Christ and to his mission with these kinds of topics? So talk to me about compulsion of speech, and um, we're going to do two more minutes on this. How do you feel? Well, I, I think it's the, um, the real issue is, and first off, if jazz music makes you a liberal, then I'm the biggest socialist. <laughs> no, not jazz music. <laughs> that radio station, which I'm is kidding. talk radio most of the time. I'm kidding. I'm making yeah. a joke point is uh it's a it's an issue that we have uh any, any time of american in the past you know 10 years regardless of of what's going on at the moment it, we have these extremes and we've talked about this the frustration of the majority the 80 percent mm-hmm. who don't uh, find themselves as pigeonholed as or extreme to yeah. the left or the right yeah and so it makes it extremely hard to hold any kind of nuanced uh, opinion which is frustrating to me that we allow the extremities to control the tone of social media and make us feel this way yeah. when in fact the vast percentage of of uh, population feels as frustrated as we do yeah and uh and and i'm even i i have this uh this voice in my head that i that i imagine is the 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 masses and they say nuanced opinion you need a nuanced opinion about this and yeah, yeah, you do still. Everything has nuance. You well, can't. nuance doesn't sell. It's not sexy. It doesn't start fights. It's not newsworthy. Yeah. You know, it's not dramatic. Uh, but people have lost the skill of nuance. So it means that I can't say that uh, George Floyd was murdered and and that I believe that uh, there are systems in place that led him to that moment 
and and et cetera, et cetera. And I believe that a lot of this response is is going about it the wrong way. I can't hold both of those in the eye of the extremes. And this idea of compelled speech, I can't even be silent because being silent is now saying that I affirm white supremacy and I or affirm police, police brutality. brutality. Or, exactly. Yeah. So it is the social, it's not a legal compelled speech, it's not breaking the Constitution, but it's a social compelled speech where, um, you know, pardon, damned if you do, damned if you don't. Uh, deal mm-hmm. where uh, I can't even hold my tongue, which is my favorite thing to do, and I think <laughs> I think it's a prudent thing to do. It's a biblical thing. Holding to do. my tongue is my favorite thing to do. Yeah. <laughs> There's a Twitter worthy statement right yeah. there, John Ladd. And it, we're it, we're taught repeatedly in the Bible that that the wise man waits to speak. Yes, and, and it is um, it is now not only um, harder to do that; it is viewed as the wrong thing to do sometimes. And that it's been a it's been a tough way to to to. Uh, exist because really this points to people want to lump you into a category and if you don't speak you're lumped into a category by virtue of not speaking you don't even your silence is interpreted Mm -hmm. exactly yeah and and another caveat this is i'm not trying to throw a pity party i don't even think oh john's had a hard week compared to the you know generations (laughs) of of uh of systemic you know However, so so it's not not that I'm just saying this. This is the frustration that I have with the current. Um, yeah, climate. and I, I would say my frustration along the same lines, and I I'm hearing tons of people feel this way, is that you you can only talk about one piece of a story. Mm-hmm. You can't talk about the whole subject. So um, you can't talk about the fact that not all cops are bad. You have to be against cops. You can't talk about the fact that George Floyd had a long rap sheet and was had been in prison and was uh, had both autopsies showed that he had drugs in his system. Hmm. And so you can't talk about that. And none of that. I mean, the whole country, everybody agrees he was murdered. Yeah, it was an absolute murder. It breaks my heart. It was he was treated with that with no dignity. He was treated with no regard. So uh, you, but you're not allowed to to have the entire context. You can't talk about that. Some black people feel this way about it and some black people feel this way about it. Because you have to pick a side and you're not allowed to say, let's look at all the data or all the sides. Yeah. Even just for the sake of uh, gaining greater understanding. Well, and it's gotten to the point. There was a, uh, um, his name, I should know his name because it's, it's part of the point I'm making. This retired police chief who was killed uh, defending a, a mm-hmm. store and rioting. You can't even mention his name. Now his name, a, 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 a old black man who was shot during right. the riots and looting. Uh, you means you're anti George Floyd, exactly. By mentioning or the name, Black Lives Matter, right? Or yeah, BLM. You can't even bring that up without uh, without being a being hateful now. And along the same lines of the other people, you know, you can't say that that there are uh, institutions in place that that protect the men in these normal situations. This one, because of the vitriol involved, was pretty quick. That that the police officers involved were uh, right were charged. But anyway. Yeah, the the extremes is really it, it's the simple way to put okay. It. Ding ding ding. Next yeah. subject. Next subject. Black lives matter. You in or you out? That's the problem right there. <laughs> I don't like that. I don't like the check each. Okay, box. so you have the uh, blackout Tuesday, which was not exactly Black Lives Matter, but it was attached to it. Mm-hmm. And everybody on social media on Tuesday was supposed to black out their social media um, as a voice of unison against. I don't know what exactly for sure, but I think against police brutality. So um, how do you feel about Black Lives Matter? Let me just ask you that. How do you feel about it? 
Well, I know it's it seemed like we went a few years where things were, and and again, you know, as a as a white man, I wasn't necessarily searching every day for instances of right of, of police brutality against black men. But when when they pop up, you know, big, yeah, it had been a while. We had a stretch of a few years where it was the big thing. There was Trayvon, and there mm-hmm. was uh, uh, I forget his name, but uh, Michael B. Jordan played him in a movie. And uh, uh, anyway, big high profile right. cases. And there was a few years, and then we had uh, Ahmaud Arbery, mm-hmm. and then and George Floyd, and just kind of back to back. So, yeah. um, I forget where I was even going. Oh, Black Lives Matter. So it's been around for a while, mm-hmm. and I don't really know the the movement proper, the right. the actual organization. Enough to really uh, check, yes, I'm with these mm-hmm. guys. But the mission I'm with, especially right now, um, yeah, I guess that's the simple way to put yeah, it. Yeah, so, uh, so here's kind of my my thing is um, I have, and, and in the last week I've had three conversations with older white men who are frustrated out the gazoo um, about this whole conversation and this whole world. Now they have blind spots, as we all do. And so... Um, the next thing we're going to talk about is white privilege, but let's start, you know, this black, black lives matter. Um, I hear people say, don't they know all lives matter mm. to which I respond. So I'm a black lives matter, uh, supporter in this context. Sure. I explain to my white friends, they know that every life matters. They just wonder if you know that black lives matter. And so you could have black lives matter too. That's really where the mm. movement began. Black lives matter, too, and they yeah. do. And, and there has been a disregard for decades about black lives. And there is a systemic problem in this regard. And um, so uh, I'm, I'm all in on that conversation. And, and I've, I've, the, the hashtag on its own, I'm, I'm right there with you. I was thinking more of the organization. But see, I, I won't use the hashtag, and I won't say I'm for Black Lives Matter because sure. the organization – one of their tenants, and I don't know all of them, but one of the things they want to do is defund law enforcement. Mm-hmm. And I, I, don't, I can't sign off on that because I absolutely believe that the vast majority, 95% of law enforcement people are amazing individuals who do great work and who hate what happened to, to, uh, to George Floyd. So uh, I won't advocate for the defunding of law enforcement. I can't do that. Sure. So therefore, I don't I don't support the organization, but I am all in on this principle that Black Lives Matter too, and we and they deserve it deserves a moment of just focusing on the fact that Black Lives Matter. That is a worthy focus, in my opinion. Yeah, and and one I've heard uh, I might have been around before this, but in this in this particular um, uh, few weeks was was uh, at first I was confused. It said not all lives matter until Black Lives Matter. And that felt like very yeah, that's combative. But the point I'm, the, I think they were saying is the saying all lives matter. The reason black lives matter is a hashtag at all is because they don't think they don't believe people actually believe. Well, that. because our constitution says all men are created equal. And yet we demonstrated for a long time exactly. that all men were in fact not created equal. Exactly. So they're saying all lives don't matter yet because people don't believe that our lives right. matter. That's the, that's I, the I'm, I'm all in on that. Yeah, me too. Okay. Ding, ding, ding. Next subject. Uh, white privilege. What do you, yeah. are you, are, do you understand what, what, what do you think white privilege is and is it real? Uh, this is going to be showing lots of blind spots. I think, uh, if anyone's listening to this and actually knows what they're talking about, <laughs> uh, yes, it's real. It's harder for me to put it into so many words, but basically, um, and you know, I want to pause there and just say, John, you have had 
your entire um, conscious thinking life in low black population environments. Yes. Yeah. So Montana, that's as white bread as it gets in America. If that even counts. Well, I was I was six when we left. Yeah, but you had elementary school experience there. Not one black kid in the, in the school. Mm-hmm. Then you went to Denver, Colorado. A little more diversity there, but still predominantly white. And now Olympia, Washington, where we are, what one percent African American? Maybe. So, uh, so this is part of the reason we have ignorance is because you have not had right. exposure. Exactly. Um, but as far as I understand it. A white privilege is the fact that uh, even though uh, uh, even though we have uh, bad times, it's not saying that a white man's life is kissed and blessed and never struggles. Exactly, um, it is never. We never have a particularly harder uh, uh, a harder way to go about things because of the color of our skin. Yeah. So any of the hard times we do have in general are not going to be because we have white skin. Mm-hmm. Where the opposite is true for many and many. Um, um, People brown, of, of brown very, and black. Yeah, people. lots of yeah. different colors. Yeah. Yeah. So I had uh, two different older white guys talking to me about white privilege, and, and both of them used this example. Hey, I came up, one of them then said, I came up from extreme poverty, extreme poverty. And if you work hard, this is a land of opportunity. You can you can climb out. And then another guy saying, my wife came from, you know, coal miner's daughter in West Virginia and mm-hmm. extreme poverty. Uh, another guy told me, I can't, my, my kids don't qualify for student aid for college. I can't afford to go to college because my income's too high. Uh, but if they were a minority, they would get some assistance. And so there's a little edge there to that. Here's how I explain it to them. And I believe this, this is my, this is my grasp of it. Uh, no matter how hard your life was, and, and there are white lives that are very hard. If you had been black, it would have been even harder. Hmm. Also, another, one of the guys used the example you know, I've got this, these friends, uh, black people, their parents were Harvard graduates. These guys have a kissed, blessed thing. They had a way head start over, you know, whoever. And I said, yes. And imagine how much further ahead they would have been if they were white. Sure. So uh, if you, if life is hard, it gets even harder if you're black. If life is good, it can get even better if you're white. That's yeah. white privilege. Yeah, and there was uh, there's this quote on a uh, one of these blues albums I have. I forget which one, um, but it's from Miles Davis, and he says he says uh, um, a white man can't uh, can't write blues music because what's he got to be blue about? <laughs> <laughs> and that kind of stuff has bothered me, right, uh, right. Um, And because there are a huge amount of impoverished white people. And and if you look at the poorest communities in the country, many of them are white. It's not it's not that it's even it's not that it's a rare thing for a white poor man to exist, mm-hmm. but it is not the same. And the systems involved uh, are not the same. And I would say now we're to a point where um, social programs or non government programs, like in schools, mm-hmm. um, you get you get a decent leg up for being a minority. You would get uh, um, you would have been able to maybe qualify for more things than I would have if we had the same GPA, same classes, same upbringing. Or maybe not same upbringing, but if you were if you were of a different uh, if you were a minority, uh, but governmentally that's not always the case, and especially I think socially is the bigger um, the bigger thing now, where you still have to deal with uh, decades of discriminatory discriminatory practices like uh, redlining and and stuff like that, where I'd never had to. So um, we're now to the point where there are every now and again there are perks, like you said. There's there's mm-hmm. a school that it, this kid could get into, and this kid could not get into based on who who their color of their skin. Right. 
but and, but it's and, not a, oh it's a it's, it's not a, it's not a fair trade it's a drop in the bucket yeah. compared to the other side of the coin right and um i think that you know the, the one thing i never had to do with you john when you as you're growing up is tell you uh use caution people are going to treat you different because you look mm. different uh use caution john if a police officer approaches you i need you to keep your hands visible i need you to not reach in your pockets. I, if you get pulled over, keep your hands at 10 and 2. I mean, I told you some of that stuff, but I never had to tell you, prepare you for a world that is going to treat you differently because of the color of your skin. That and, tiny little thing right, right there, that's just a small part of it. And that's what I meant by socially, it's yeah. still very present, regardless of the policies that yeah. we have. Uh, and uh, there's, I watched a video from a guy, a uh, really, really uh, muscular uh, black man, Terry Crews size, like yeah. big, big guy. And he said, you know, that if he goes to get his mail at his at his, at his nearby mailbox and there's a, a white woman there getting her mail, he sits in the car and waits until she moves on. So because, he doesn't scare her. Exactly. Because in, and there was uh, I forget her name as well, but uh, in Central Park, you might have heard of this. A woman had her dog without a leash. Mm-hmm. And yeah, and she called the cops on this black man for telling her to put a leash on her dog. And she abused this inherent system. So, yeah, I, I was not at all trying to say that um, white privilege does not exist and is not as severe a disparity as it is. Sure. Okay, ding, ding, ding. Now we're going to talk about shadow racism. Is that a term you're familiar with? Uh, yes, because you briefed me on it before the episode. <laughs> <laughs> but before that, no. Well, you know, a lot of us would say, there's not a racist bone in my body, and we mean that. You know, I do not want to hate anyone. And yet there are these places where there's shadows of racism just because of the way we emotionally feel about things or the way we might navigate subconsciously. The way I had heard of this was implicit uh, bias, implicit racism. Exactly. Same thing. And so the idea is if you see a mixed race couple out on a date, do you have any kind of reaction to that? Are there thoughts that come through your mind? If you're walking down a street and it's getting dark and the person approaching you is a minority, do you have a thought, I'm going to reach for my wallet and just cover it, or I'm going to be prepared to react in case I'm approached violently? You might also say if a, if it's a white guy with the hood up over his head or if it's a, but the fact that you, by the color of their skin, you might, you might be a little more anxious than if they were white and just wearing the same exact clothing walking towards you. Mm. You understand what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. If you get an elevator, women get an elevator alone and a black man gets in with them. If a white woman is in there, um, black men know I have to be careful because I'm probably she's afraid like the guy at the mailbox. Yeah. So these are these are shadow racism. Um, if you have a 17 year old daughter and she tells you she's got her first boyfriend and you find out that he's black or a minority, do you have a reaction to that? These are all shadow racism. And I think it's really powerful for us to pause in this time and just think, imagine scenarios and consider whether we have this and to what degree we have these kind of implicit shadow racism biases. Again, it doesn't mean you're a racist. It means that you are behaving in a racism way. I really like this definition of racism. It is a belief that your race is somehow superior to the others. Mm. And um, I, I think that's a really simple and, Uh, understandable way to view this and so you might have racist behaviors even though you would say i do not believe that i'm a superior race some of your behaviors might actually be behaving as if you're smarter or you're safer or whatever um does that make sense so what's your reaction to all that yeah well i would say it's the difference between um 
uh, racism, which I would call hatred and, and hateful and uh, ignorance, which is just um, like me. Like I haven't thought of these things because I haven't had to think about these things because my life isn't on the line necessarily when mm-hmm. I get pulled over for um, for speeding, stuff like that. So yeah. um, that that's and, and the implicit uh, bias is in every everything you do. There's an implicit bias. So it is an extension of that. And like you said, with uh, with my general uh, limit of, ex- of exposure to people of different cultures, I uh, read a study that based off of uh, search engine searches. Mm-hmm. So um, that was their whole criteria was how how people use the Internet. Yeah. And, and how racist their searches were. And generally, uh, it's not a north to south line, as you would think, from not racist to racist. It is an east to west. So they oh, found more instances of racist search searches in search engines from the east and it graded it out to the west. So in general the west coast is is less racist with obvious exceptions. Um but I've just had less I haven't been around people who generally think that uh you know a a black man is is inferior to a white man. That's interesting, yeah. Um so and implicit bias I think of I don't know and maybe this is just because I'm ignorant of even myself but nothing really leaps out at me with interracial couple, couples except for that it is rarer around here so maybe mm-hmm. i'd make a note of it but it doesn't it doesn't make me flinch inherently yeah um and i'm sure there is stuff but i'm i don't know well it's interesting if you take color off the table mm-hmm. and i were to show you um six pictures of white men dressed in six different ways you would make assumptions about totally. each of them totally based on what they look like and that is the human propensity to do that and so when you factor in color as part of that, it, it, it and when you take color out, you realize, yeah, I do that all the time. But I think some like this is one implicit bias. When a white man is wearing athletic wear mm-hmm. or and he's he maybe he's wearing like joggers and a black hoodie, mm-hmm. and he's got his hood up and he's running. He's just go, he's working out he's he, just even running. if it's late yeah. at night. And uh, my my buddy <laughs> Lem, uh, he's he's a, a black man and in college he'd go running mostly at night. And he had to be really, really aware of that in Kirkland, a pretty affluent neighborhood mm-hmm. that with his hood up and he's running down the street, it has different connotations just by yeah. merit. Of well, his there you go. There, skin. Yeah, that that is the world they live in. Yeah. OK, let's take a break and do our new feature. And then we've got two topics left. We're going to talk about the power of our words and um, what the scriptures might call us to with our words. And then we're going to talk about the best piece of advice I feel like I'm getting from God in the culture that we're in right now. Awesome. Okay, uh, so show and tell, it's your turn this week. Okay, and um, I'm going to talk about this thing that I have that's, that is it's really meaningful to me. I think it's something that I'll have for the rest of my life, and I think it's something that my children will argue with each other over who gets to have it when I'm gone. Um, there's actually a couple of items I have like that that I think um, I'll talk about another one maybe next time, <laughs> show and tell. Uh, but this is something that actually uh, Sue gave me as a gift, and it is made of leather. And it is about, I don't know, it's maybe five inches by, maybe six inches by four inches. Is it a box? No. It is my leather binder. And uh, I should did I did I ruin it by just yeah, telling you what it is? Yeah, you got to explain it before you, know how else, you show it to me. Well, I thought as soon as I said Sue gave it to me, it's made of leather, and it's sitting right here in the room with us, I thought you would, I thought, well, he's got You're it You're not now. very good at this, man. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, it's a leather, uh, it's a leather, what do you call that? What would you call uh, it? Sleeve. It's a leather sleeve. I don't like that word. Uh, <laughs> you asked. I, I think of a binder, but uh, you have to refill it with, uh, what are those called, John? Uh, paper. 
know what you want. Man. I'm really bad at this. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so uh, hoop moleskin. I take a moleskin booklet and I slide it into the covers of this, like a book cover, like a book sleeve, like a book. <laughs> That's exactly what they're called. They have a name. Okay, like a book sleeve, <laughs> and uh, and it's my what moment. Hijinks moment. This is not a hijinks uh, moment. This is not a hijinks moment. Okay. Anyway, um, the thing I love about this, too, my name, she had my name embossed in the bottom left corner, bottom right corner of the front. And what I love is I hold this to my face, and it smells just like my baseball glove. Hmm. And so uh, people do catch me with this up to my face just smelling it. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's 10 inches. I don't think that's six. Okay. So let's say 10 by what? What do you think? 10 by four? Five? Ten by five. Yeah. Ten by five. Let's go that. Um Yeah, I I I can I could go that way. And we'll take a picture and put it on our, our blog. But it is a great gift. I think it was probably about forty bucks. And so um uh, I have gone back to analog. I don't use my phone for note taking and things. Mm-hmm. This has been I can draw drawings in it. Um right now I have totally blank lineless paper in there. Uh, because that's all I could find. I prefer the graph paper. I love graph paper for yeah. note taking. Yeah, I in all my math classes through high school, I could take. I, I'm telling you, I could. I like writing on grains of rice. I could take maybe <laughs> a week's worth of notes on one piece of graph. Because you paper. put a letter in each box, or I think I stacked them too high. Two two boxes were my letters. Oh, okay. Yeah, and then and then, but because it's graph, you could box it off, so you could have like a whole day's. In yeah, one box you could. You could. I love. I love stuff. the graph paper. Yeah. And uh, as soon as this one, I'm down to about the last five pages in this one, and then I'll go back to graph paper because I already have them in hand. I also carry with me a plastic number two pencil, mechanical pencil, uh, because I have switched from ink to pencil. I hmm. really like the feel of a pencil. I like the erasability of it. And so this is my thing. I take notes in it. I keep um, reflections in it, and I love this thing. I'm a I'm a pen guy, but I otherwise I'm all about all about that. I didn't know one. The reason I didn't know was what you were talking about until you held it up. Was well, I didn't know it was a gift from mom. I knew it had your name on it. So I guess I should have assumed that you yeah. wouldn't go get your own name embossed <laughs> on a on a deal. And do you store the notebooks when you're done? Oh yeah, I have a bookcase a bookshelf with all of them in there. Hmm. And sometimes this is a. Um, I have found uh, um, if I'm kind of in a blue zone, sure. maybe a little bit of a funk, I'll pull out some previous booklets from inside there, and I'll just read through because I'll have reflections from Scripture reading, something the Lord's saying to me, prayers I write out, and I find it to be very encouraging. Nice. Yeah. So, um, yeah, so there's my thing. I, I call it my journal. I don't know what would yeah. you call that a journal? Oh, yeah. A journal in a sleeve. Yeah, journal in a leather sleeve. <laughs> okay, there you go. <laughs> hey, let's take our commercial break. We'll come back and do these last two things, and then we're good to go. Awesome. Upstream is supported by the faithful members of the Upstream team, listeners who give monthly through Patreon. This podcast is just one part of the Jim and John ministry. They also write weekly blogs, have published their first book, and are currently at work on more. Their desire is to produce transformational content as well as offer encouragement and coaching to others. The dream is to see a movement of people who are integrating the work of Jesus into their daily lives and who are joining Him on His mission to redeem and restore all things. Check out their website at jimandjohn.com where you can learn more about the father-son duo and gain access to all they have to offer. If you would like to join the Upstream team, Consider partnering with Jim and John on patreon.com slash Jim and John. A link is also available on the homepage of their website. 
And remember, there's no H in John. Now let's join Jim and John for the home stretch of today's conversation. All right, welcome back. We're going to do two more topics here. And the first one, John, is civility. And I like this phrase. I'm really uh, captivated by it. Words create worlds. Hmm. Um, Man, and you see that happen because even now, some people will have listened to this episode of this podcast and they will create worlds off of the words we chose to use. Um, So uh, words are powerful and they should be stewarded well. In fact, James in the Bible says that if you can control your tongue, you are perfect in every way. Mm -hmm. That's how hard that is to do. (laughs) That a little spark sets off a forest fire, a little rudder on a giant ship determines where that ship goes. Yeah. That, that your tongue has enormous power in today's world. How should you be using your tongue? Well, you know, I tipped my hand earlier in this episode, but sparingly. Is, is what I say. <laughs> and you're going to get criticized for that, perhaps. I I think more often than not, you're not going to get criticized for that. I think the same issue when we say, when we look at the, when we believe the numbers, if you buy into that 80% is the frustrated majority, yeah, then you uh, have a grain of salt when you look at social media, when you look at Twitter, mm-hmm. the news. And I believe that, uh, you know, if we're going by the 80-20 rule, maybe in 80% of your social interactions holding your tongue and, and abiding by the word of God that um, the wise man listens before he speaks mm-hmm. is going to save your neck a whole bunch of times. And it's going to make people respect you. It's going to make them like you more. And in instances like this, which are very rare mm-hmm. where people say, if you're silent, you are against me. Right. Um, I think more often than not, it's still, you're going to, you're going to end up all right. Now. Um, so use your tongue sparingly. You have um, you have tempered way off social media use. Are mm-hmm. you even less now during this time? No, because now it's like uh, um, it's like I can't look away, that kind of thing. Oh, and I feel um, I feel a sense of obligation, and I, and it's not the kind of thing where I would say everyone needs to be tuned in all the time. Um, but because of this, um, because of my privilege, I feel a little a little bit of an obligation to keep in touch even though it's starting to drive me a little crazy. So I do, I, I have, um, it's a binging purging relationship mm-hmm, maybe. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But, uh, how about you? Do you, do you find yourself pulling back? I'm, I'm I, I keep, I keep grabbing my phone. Right. I keep grabbing it and looking at it. Mm-hmm. And I, and then I tell myself, what am I doing? Put the thing down, leave the phone alone. And I have found that if I will put my phone in another room and distance myself, I do find some peace for a stretch. And so sure. I think that's important, but we're talking about words. So let's talk about, um, the power of your words and, and okay. How should you be using your words? Number one, sparingly. I think that's good advice. What about number two? How else should you be using your words? Um, to build up rather than tear down. that's kind of a little facile, but, um, but it's, I mean, it's true. I think one thing I've, I've noticed a lot, and this isn't necessarily on topic, but on the topic of words mm-hmm. is that, um, um, casual gossip is, is very common. And I don't know if it's getting more common or if I'm just noticing it more, but uh, um, it is it is common and not often um, rebuked. It just kind of mm. it just kind of goes, and uh, it's cur- it takes a lot of courage to rebuke that. Oh my goodness, yeah. Well, well, clearly I haven't been rebuking it, even though I've noticed it. <laughs> so, um, so that's a big thing. I th- and I think it is um, I think it is sneaky and how and how toxic it is just for the individual, just for mm-hmm. you gossiping, mm-hmm. regardless of whoever you're talking about. Which obviously it can be harmful for them mm-hmm. if it escalates, but. Um, but just for your own state of mind and how you view people. 
Um, and yeah, off of off the topic of race, but I think that's I think it's it's bigger than it gets credit for as far as the um, the rules to live by. Yeah, I think you're right. You know, Ephesians says, "Use your words, say only those things that edify, that build others up, that are useful, yeah, that are helpful, that are constructive instead of destructive." These are powerful principles, and man, they were never more important than they are right now. Yeah, when you look at Trump in front of a church holding a Bible, you have people all over the map on this. You have you have people who believe that he's actually having a Christian experience in his life right now celebrating that he's standing in front of a church holding a Bible. You have other people going, that's one of the most godless people. And they talk about all of his past and his ego and say, there's no way he's a Christian. And what people do is they make blanket declarations about Mm. the state of another human being that they can't factually know. And so you, we make assumptions and we caricature people. And so uh, the scriptures would call you to use whatever words are helpful edifying, useful, make the situation better, not worse. Those are really, uh, really powerful guidelines. Yeah. Do so, you have a, do you have a third? We got, we got, uh, using them sparingly, using them to build. Do you have a third one? Um, I would say using them never to destroy. Sure. So that's a, that's kind of the same thing on the other side of the coin. I find that, um, I had this friend years ago and we're still friends. We just don't get much contact. He lived, he lived in Mongolia for a long time and now he lives in Estonia. Hmm. I want to visit Estonia. Doesn't that just sound like a great place? I want to go to Estonia. It's in the Baltics. I don't know if I ever wanted to go to the Baltics. Right on the water. They tell me it's absolutely stunning. Anyway, I want to go to Estonia, but, uh, he, he lives there now. His name's Bobby. And, uh, Bobby and I met when we were both youth pastors in the Dallas area in our early and mid twenties. And I have, is he a missionary there? Or he, he just lives there. No, he was a youth. Oh, he's a missionary in Estonia. Gotcha. Yeah. yeah. And uh, to this day, I've known Bobby now thirty-five years. I have never heard that man say a negative thing about another person ever. Man, not one time. And I have said to myself for decades, I want to be Bobby. Yeah, no kidding. And I just can't seem to pull it <laughs> off. But I would say, you know, stop destroying people. Um, you know, people say, if you can't say something good, don't say anything at all. That's use those words. Apparently then, Hey, just be quiet. I have told myself, I hear myself screaming in my head, just shut up, just stop talking because (laughs) I'm being negative or destructive or discouraging or, um, heightening fear. You know, I rarely notice. I wish I could notice in the moment when I'm being that way. I always notice retroactively. And I yeah. think, man, I've made a butt of myself Yeah, just for the way I've been acting. I, I It is a, it's, yeah, it's very powerful. Yeah. All right. We're going to wrap this up with one final thought. Um, and I, I do think that um, we should, just to wrap up the words thing, understand that your words have power. They can build up. They can destroy. They can give life. They can cut. Um, and you can't get them back. Once they came out of your mouth, you can't get them back. Yeah. So, and, and with how loud everything is, be aware of the temptation to, to just be as loud. Yeah. And it's not always, not always the best move. I yeah. Uh, so, um, two thoughts have been jumping at me. How should, what should we be doing, uh, right now? All this is going on. What is it I should be doing? And I landed on two places, and I and, and I just want to share these. And you tell me what your takeaway from this is. Hmm. In Ezekiel chapter 3, the prophet Ezekiel is sent by God to give a prophetic word to a group of people who are rebelling against God. They're, they're a mess. 
And in chapter three, verse 14, it says that he, that Ezekiel, the prophet goes in the bitterness of soul. He goes to these people. I mean, he's hijacked. He's emotionally amped. Hmm. And when he, so is this a Jonah type thing where he doesn't actually want to help them? No, it's not like that. Okay. But he's 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 bearing the heartbeat of God. Like he's he's uh, he feels as angry as God does. Gotcha. And um, verse fifteen says, when he gets there, he sits with them for seven days and doesn't say a word. And it says, in fact, that he he was overwhelmed for them. Hmm. So uh, you know. I find when I talk about George Floyd, cops hear you say, all police are bad. And if you say, I know many great law enforcement, police officers are great. Black people hear you say, you don't care about my life. Mm -hmm. You're not against police brutality. And um, I think uh, step one, whoever you're talking to, white person, black person, brown person, police officer, victim, whatever. Just be with him. Just listen. I think there's enormous power to listen, like really listen. I mm-hmm. want to hear you. I want to be overwhelmed with you. I want to join you in your current experience. I think that is enormously powerful. Yeah. But then the other side is Matthew eleven twenty nine. Jesus says, come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and uh, learn from me. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, and you will find rest for your soul. So the two things I'm trying to practice right now is whoever I'm with, I just want to be with them. And if they're hurting, I want to hurt with them. If they're fearful, I want to comfort them in their fears. If they are angry, bitter, wounded, wherever they're at, I just want to be with them and and be overwhelmed with them. Mm -hmm. And then I need to sit with Jesus a lot and find rest for my soul just by being with him. And then I think if those can dovetail together where I can learn to be in two places at once, where I'm actually with Jesus resting with him while I'm overwhelmed with you, now I've got something I have to offer. Gotcha. Gotcha. What are your thoughts? Um, I think uh, the listening is important because when we talk about these extremes, there's so much identity going on. So if you're um, a white Christian in America, the overwhelming odds are you're conservative, depending on your age, I guess, maybe not overwhelming odds, but, but the majority of white Christians in America. And so there's this, this, this kind of like chain reaction where you think, well, I'm playing for this team, which uh, when these things happen, this team reacts this way. So Mm -hmm. if there's a protest against law enforcement and it's white, a white or a crime perpetrated by a white man against a black man, um, generally you can assume this camp's going to react this way. And so you have these assumptions already before you even, before you even really digest what happened. Mm-hmm. So you hear about the video and you generally know what camp you're going to be in before you really even break it down. So that idea of listening first of saying, put it all, push it all back for just a second and just look at it as it is, as and you, you try have, to see through their eyes, what they see. Right. Exactly. Yeah. And uh, and I don't say you have to uh, watch agree. the video. It's yeah. or or agree. It's yeah. it's a graphic video. But as long as you, uh, you know, all these people out there aren't just blowing smoke. Right. It's not like they're all paid actors. Right. You know, they're it's it's legitimate pain. Uh, and really, my my big takeaway for the whole episode is um, is that these big movements are made out 
of uh, of men and women, just mm-hmm. just people, mm-hmm. just tons and tons of individual people mm-hmm. with their own decisions and responsibilities, and and uh, and it really breaks down into camps and groups because um, the conversation, like you said, is cops are bad, cops are doing this, or um, black people in general are breaking these rules, and they they instigated these things. Protesters are blank. Exactly. Yeah. And to break it down to really people. And so even me, if, cause, because this, these nuanced opinions, if you were to say, um, well, I didn't see you getting mad when this happened. I hear this a lot with, um, if somebody criticizes something that uh, uh, Trump did, that Obama also did, they'll say, well, I didn't hear you saying that for Obama. And it's like, well, you haven't been watching me that whole time. I'm an individual person. What they mean right. is I didn't see this movement happening when Obama was president, and that's probably true, mm-hmm. but the individual that is there has their own nuanced right. beliefs. Right. So I, I guess that's the that's kind of my my takeaway. If that even if that counts, it does count. It does count. I uh, I long. This is my probably my takeaway. I long for um, civil conversations that put people ahead of opinions. Mm. And that can try to be constructive in nature. Um, yeah, I'm getting tired of the hostility and the rage. And I understand it, but I'm getting really fatigued by it. Sure. And may the Lord help us. You know, may he give us wisdom and and peace and make us agents of peace. May we comfort others with the comfort we ourselves have received from God. And... Uh, Man, I want to. I do want to be a part of the answer. Yeah, not part of the problem. Yeah. All right. Hey, we want to say thank you for listening. It's been a, a a really important conversation, and we'd love to have your feedback. You can email us at info at jimandjohn No H in the John. And how else can they find us, John? Uh, on Instagram at uh, Jim and John. Uh, never, never an H in the John. Uh, Instagram is our main social media. You can reach us there via private message or comment on our, we do a post at least once a week for our episode. Uh, or you could do our uh, email, like you said. And uh, and those are the main ways to contact us and main ways to find us. Awesome. And we're going to do some experience, experiments. John, I haven't even told you this, but we're going to do this. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> With Instagram Live. We're going uh, to jump on Instagram Live together on some later evenings uh, when we have something that just we want to talk about. And just do some little Instagram live. So uh, watch for us. Uh, Follow us on Instagram. That way you'll get a notification when we go live. And you can jump on there and join us if you want. We'd love to interact with you in that way. Awesome. And uh, again, apologies for any uh, ignorance that we did drop on this this episode. But uh, hopefully you can understand. Yeah. Yeah. Love you a bunch. Thanks a lot. We'll see you next week. (laughs) 